Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here with pianist and composer Danny Green. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I'm Ed Kornhauser, this is San Diego Sessions, and I'm here with my fellow host, Ian Tordella, and we're coming to you on location for a very special episode today. We are at pianist and composer Danny Green's house. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, guys. And it's not just the three of us, he's also got his uh, gorgeous Steinway Grand Piano right here uh, as well. Uh, so if we sound a little bit out of sorts, it's only because we're outside of our usual comfort den this morning. You know, there's not, you know, shag carpeting and wall-to-wall naugahyde, you know, as it, as it normally is in our studio. Yes. And in this new season of San Diego Sessions, uh, we're going to be doing some of the our typical interviews, but also some live performances. So today we're going to feature some, some live piano. Also, for season three, we're going to change the format a little bit uh, and release an episode every other week. This is so we could continue to provide quality content and uh, good interviews and, and not stress ourselves out and uh, not burn our brain cells down to the embers. <laughs> but uh, we love doing this and we want to keep doing it. And Danny's just released a new album entitled One Day It Will, and it features his trio plus a string quartet. But before we get into that, of course, we have to do the latest installment of This Versus That. These are two jazz musicians, and my co-host, Ed Kornhauser, will have to pick one and only one. All right, this is the drum, the drum episode today. Oh, boy. Again. Drum probably. away. First up... <laughs> Oh, you're already now you're getting on with the jazz. Puns. You're already laughing. Drum away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from the Brad Meldow trio, his second drummer, Mr. Jeff Ballard, mm. versus iconic drummer and uh, master of swing, who worked with uh. Winton Marsalis, Branford Marsalis, Jeff Tane Watts. Hmm. Oh, that's really hard. That's not fair. They're both great. They really are. Uh. It's a tough one. It's a really tough one. Um, I love Jeff Ballard's playing, especially in, in Mel Dow's trio. Oh, boy. You painted me into a corner here. I, I, I want to just plead no contest, but I think I'll go with Jeff Tain Watts. All right, yeah. But I love both of them dearly. So Yeah, Tain has also been so influential. Um, but True. both of them are just powerhouses. Yeah, very unique, have their own voices. and Yeah, that's a tough one. Next up. Number two, drummer known for uh, working with Sonny Rollins on Live at the Village Vanguard, Volumes 1 and 2, Pete LaRocca. I believe he also, did he work with Bill Evans? 
I think so. For a bit? Possibly. That's in my head. It's a little early this morning. Versus uh, drummer from Weather Report, Peter Erskine. Erskine, right. Um, Well, Peter Erskine's done so much. His career is so varied. I know he's on a bunch of those early Steely Dan stuff. Maybe even some of the later Steely Dan stuff as well. Um, And continues to record great music. But I think for music that influenced me more, I'm going to go with Pete LaRocca. And uh, and the great Sonny Rollins. Okay. Last one. Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I never. I'm never ready. You hit me with all these hard choices. None, Here we go. Drummer. None of these are easy. Lewis Hayes, hmm. known for his work with uh, Cannonball Adderley and others, versus hard bop drummer Lewis. Nash. I Although you, I hate I, to use the term hard bop, but I he has he worked say, in a lot of swing hard bop music. I knew you were going to say Lewis Nash. Uh, oh man, you're painting me into a, you, you, you gave me no softballs. They're all like great players and I can't, uh, I feel like I'd go a different way on a different morning, but this morning I'll go Lewis Nash. All right, Lewis but that, Nash. That, that's tough. That's not fair. This Actually, is, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a good clinic with Lewis Nash. He was doing a clinic and like demonstration. And he said when he first started, uh, his career started taking off and he started getting calls. He was, he was like, are you sure you, are you sure you don't have the wrong number? Are you sure you didn't want Lewis Hayes? <laughs> did, <laughs> Why are you calling me? You know? did, did, okay. Did Lewis Nash play with Wynton Marsalis at some point? Uh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. I want to say, I could be wrong about this, but I want to say at one point, um, well, I know I saw Wynton Marsalis' group one time when I was a kid, a teenager. I was just starting to get into jazz. And I think Lewis Nash might have been on drums. I'll never forget, like, they, they came out. They were all dressed in suits, very dark colors, grays, dark browns, blacks, dark blues, olive tones, all very drab and dark, except for the drummer who had some sort of suit on and a bright pink turtleneck. <laughs> I'll never forget that. It's, the drummer has carte blanche to kind of steal the show in any, in, any, uh, in any context, in my humblest of opinions. And I think that drummer was Lewis Nash. It was, I, I was young, so I don't remember everybody. Uh, I didn't know a lot of the people back then. We'll give him style points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, we're going to kick it off with a tune from Danny's new album, and this one is called... Time lapse to fall. Thank you. 
And we're back on San Diego Sessions. We're on location today at Danny Green's house, and we're just listening to his new album, One Day It Will. And that tune was called Time Lapse to Fall. And this new album uh, features your st- your regular trio plus a string quartet, who who all performs. And I I know you've been a guest before, so this is a bit of a, of a <laughs> we're going over ground we've already trod on, but I figure yeah, so this needs to be said. The, well, well, the trio is uh, with Justin Grinnell, who plays bass, and Julian Cantelm, who plays drums. And we've been playing together as a trio since 2010. Um, but Justin and I actually started working together in 2007. Uh, so we, we go pretty far back now. Um, the string quartet though features, um, two San Diego symphony players, uh, Kate Hatmaker, who plays uh, violin as well as Igor Pandur- Pandursky, who also plays violin. And, uh, then Erica Irani on cello and Travis Merrill on viola. How did you uh, connect with the string players when you when you knew you wanted to do this record? Um, so uh, I, at the time, I had been working um, at Coronado School of the Arts. Oh, and, my my uh, alma mater. Yeah, alma mater. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and Kate Hatmaker was teaching there as well at the time, and uh, and so uh, we got talking um, af- after I recorded my previous album, which had a couple tracks with strings. And we got talking about doing some performing together. And so we, we did a couple shows together. And um, she um, brought in Igor. She brought in um, Travis. And Erica I had worked with years and years ago uh, with uh, guitarist Dusty Bruff. And so, uh, and, and Erica works a lot, a lot with uh, Kate. So it all just came together like that. Do uh, do the string players improvise themselves, or are they strictly playing the parts that you wrote for them, or have, yeah, they, have the, they experience with improv? Yeah, so um, they they are just playing exactly what I wrote for them. Have they played in a jazz context before, um, or anything outside of classical music? I'm not, you know, I think when I played with Erica years ago, she was doing some improv, but I think primarily they're they're classical players and just absolutely amazing classical players. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know uh, Tra- uh, Travis and Erica both do a lot of uh, Old Globe shows, or, or I, th- I think just any musicals in town. As you as you mentioned before, you had tra- you, rather you had strings on a few tracks. I think three tracks off your previous record from 2016, Altered Narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, had you studied string arranging and orchestration prior to that, or was this a when launching into that was sort of a new endeavor for you? Yeah, no, uh, not at all. I, it, it was totally a new endeavor. Um, I had never studied writing four strings, but I think just um, you know being a pianist and and having a command of harmony and melody and just you know no, knowing how, what I wanted uh, to hear from the strings, it, it was pretty much a matter of just working on Sibelius, which is the music notation software program that I use, and uh, just laying out. Uh, the parts and you know I could play them back and hear them of course they don't sound that good on a midi no (laughs) but um but uh you know as far as like arranging in general um when I was a student at um San Diego State for my master's degree I did take a full year of uh, jazz arranging from Rick Helzer and so I mean I I think I picked up a lot of um good techniques especially in four-part writing from him did you sort of arrange the string quartet as you would maybe a 
like a like a like a jazz section, like a saxophone section or a trombone section, or probably you know I think that the sounds that they produce and some of the techniques like tremolos are different than you would get from horn right. players, but um, you know in general uh, I, I think there's two main components to the strings that I'm writing. One is when they're accompanying, and one is when they're taking more of a um, forefront in, in the music when they're accompanying a lot of times i'm thinking about the parts like how i would comp if somebody else was playing the melody and usually when i'm comping i'm uh you know number one providing like a solid chord structure but number two creating some sort of sub melody secondary melody that complements the main melody doesn't get in the way but you know when there's space there's some sort of answer answers um yeah i was noticing that when i was listening to the album um there were there are many moments where the strings were providing like a lush sort of harmonic bed but there were other times where they were engaged more and and either playing counter melodies or or doubling the melody with you it was mm -hmm. nice to when the when various instruments would jump in with the piano or even just take the melody themselves and even you kind of split it split them up sometimes and like had different yeah yeah for sure um i you know i love I love the sound of cello, and, and, and so I did get a couple instances where where I'd have Erica play the melody, like um, October Ballad and Snowy Day in Boston, um, and, and also the track we just heard, Time Lapse to Fall. Um, she's playing the melody at the very end. Uh, Kate Hatmaker's playing the melody in the middle of, of the last tune we just heard, and she plays on a couple others. So, um, I, yeah, I, I wanted the strings to be integral to the music. Um, all the pieces I had composed and we had played just as a, as a trio before, but I think they took on a new shape as I wrote the string parts. And now even when, when we play as a trio, I'm still hearing those string parts in my head and still sometimes like incorporating some of the melodies from those oh, strings. Nice. Yeah, I guess you know them, so you can throw yeah. them, throw them <laughs> in. Yeah, did, when you were when you were working on on arranging the strings, did you did you uh, did you study much of the the many idiomatic and idiosyncratic things about like string instruments, like uh, to make it more friendly for the players and and because there's some things that work so well on strings, then if you gave those same parts to other instruments that might be in the same range, they might not come off as yeah. As good. Did you did you work on any, any of that? Because um, I don't really, <laughs> not, forgive me, I don't know much about yeah, strings. Not, not deliberately. I think, you know, after playing live a couple times, like I've I, I've learned like the le less double stops I put in there, the easier it is. Um, I've, I've learned that, uh, you know, with, with the bass and piano in there, you don't need the strings to play the entire chord all the time. Like you don't need the root in there all the time. Uh, sometimes you can get a nice... Uh, full chord from them and and the bass can also be part of the chord or the piano can be part of that chord and, and so it, it doesn't have to be like the rhythm section and the string section but we can all be working together so I, I think a lot of it was learned just through the experience of doing it um, I've listened to a lot of classical music so yeah. you know different sounds like tremolos uh, like like I love that sound and and so uh, I think you know, I'd just be hearing that as I'd be writing. And you use pizzicato a lot too. Pizzicato too, yeah. Yeah, I like, I like how you've wedged the strings right into the tunes. Like you said, that you made them integral to the band, so it's not necessarily 
that you're always playing the whole melody. Mm -hmm. it, has, it goes back and forth, and I think that makes the music a lot more alive than just using using the strings as an accompaniment. For sure. What, what, one of the challenges recording is that, is that we recorded the trio uh, a couple of months before we put the string parts in. Oh. So um, as we were rehearsing, like I prepared all the MIDI tracks and um, we, we played along to those a couple of times just to get those string melodies in our head. You not, know. not in the studio, though. Not in the studio. No, just in uh, over at Julian's house. Oh. Uh, we just did a couple of rehearsals there. And, you know, especially like for drums, Julian had to know sometimes if there was a hit that the strings were doing that I wasn't doing, ah, um, you know, okay. just so that we could play as if we were all playing together. And I was talking to Julian, your drummer at your San Diego Museum of Art CD release, and he was lamenting that on a lot of your shows, you guys don't get to play the string tunes as much because it, it just doesn't sound the same without having the, the strings. Yeah, there's, there's a couple. <laughs> I think the one that... Uh, we most don't play without strings is as the parrot flies, which I think you guys played on the first the last episode. Yeah. yeah, you're our you're our second repeat guest. That's right. That's and right. In a, in a row too. We're actually going to do the whole season backwards now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So that that one, it's got this interlude that I mean, I can play on piano, but I, I've just failed to memorize it, and I hate bringing my music to gigs. So we just pretty much don't play it anymore unless we have strings. And uh, as as you mentioned earlier, you 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 adapted tunes you'd already written for the strings, or did you write some of the music specifically for this recording and having strings? Mm. Um, I think every song on the recording was already written as a trio work before I added strings to it. Huh. Yeah, but but it was just that process of adding strings that changed some of the pieces or you know, added new sections or... Like that interlude you mentioned. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, were there any new musical avenues you s sought to explore with this sort of more robust string sound? I don't, I don't know if there are any new avenues per se. Um, I, I think it was just, you know, whatever, whatever I happened to write that I liked that was working well with the trio is what what I did um I, I I guess you know as, as far as um as the writing goes uh you know I had written those three tracks prior um you know for the previous album and I wanted to try to uh I I guess do some new things with the strings on, on this one and feature them more so just sort of feature them more prominently and like the integral sound of them with the rhythm section is, is very cool and full. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've listened to the record through twice now and it's just, I'm always hearing new things because there's just so much, uh, I hate using the word meat, but like meat in there. There's a lot of different stuff to hear and be pulled, pulled out. It's very fun. Well, cool. Thanks. And again, that new record is called One Day It Will and it's out on Origin Arts. And if you want to hear more, check out Danny's website, dannygreen.net. Uh, but now we're actually going to hear a live tune. We're sitting in front of this beautiful Steinway in Danny's living room. And uh, do you want to give a little intro to this piece? Yeah, sure. This is a piece that I wrote a while ago, and it's kind of come in and out of my repertoire or set list that I, you know, that I generally perform. Um, every now and then I just forget about it and put it away and come back to it. Uh, so I, I call this one Almost Forgotten. Mm -hmm. 
That was beautiful. Thank Great. you. Yeah, that was that was really amazing. That was gorgeous to hear. Oh, thank you so much. It's such a pretty, like, lilting melody, and, <laughs> and uh, I love how it's clearly very classically influenced. And then you could, but you could hear the jazz in there, and the way you sort of you hear harmonies that that sounds very classical. And then there's a there's a some sort of a meaty change in there. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a oh, it's a gorgeous tune. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, I love uh, writing ballads, and you know, I always have fun time playing them, and just getting into uh i don't know i guess creating creating new melodies over them and trying to find different ways to expand the harmony and for those who don't know uh danny and his trio with justin and julian were one of the guests on my original podcast the dirty thursdays podcast yeah but i think (laughs) you're actually on the fender roads then Uh, but it's great to hear some live music in podcast land again And we're going to get into another tune from Danny's new album, and that's going to take us up into the break and our station identification. This next one is called November Reveries. Thank you. 
Here's your jazz forecast for Monday, May 28th. Guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover, 21 and up. Tuesday, May 29th. Acclaimed Spanish pianist Chano Dominguez returns to the auditorium at the Scripps Research Institute. His quintet includes noted flamenco cantor Blas Cordoba, flamenco dancer Daniel Navarro, bassist Alexis Cuadaro, and drummer-percussionist Henry Cole. Downbeat is at 7.30 p.m. Tickets available at ljathenham.org. The Havana Jam kicks off downtown from 8 p.m. to midnight at Prohibition. Wednesday, May 30th. Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come early to hear the Young Lions from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around San Diego. Thursday, May 31st, the Steph Johnson Quartet plays a benefit performance at the Hall of Champions in Balboa Park from 6 to 9 p.m. Tickets are $60, with all proceeds going to help disabled children. There's a jam session at the Ken Club, hosted by saxophonists Robert Dove and Ian Buss. Music from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. $5 cover, but musicians get in free. You must be 21 or older. Friday, June 1st, pianist Joshua White performs at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. with Dean Hewlett on bass and Dan Schnell on the drums. No cover and your parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. Your hosts Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser Play duo downtown in the lobby of the U.S. Grant Hotel from 5.15 to 7.45 p.m. And right across the street, Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate in the Plaza Bar of the Westgate Hotel. Music is from 8 to 11 p.m. Also on Friday, bassist and former SD resident Jeff Denson plays at Dizzy's for the release of his album Outside My Window with Dan Rotem on tenor, Carl Ekonen on piano, Rhodes, and synth, and Ronan Itzik on drums. Music at 8 p.m., cover is $20. Saturday, June 2nd, Gilbert Castellanos performs with San Diego Children's Choir at the Jacobs Music Center at 3 p.m. Vocalist Allison Adams Tucker pays tribute to Cole Porter at the Westgate Hotel from 8 to 11 p.m. with Ed Kornhauser on piano and Ben Wanaker on the bass. For North County folks, the Matt DiBiase Quintet plays at Northern Spirits in San Marcos starting at 7.30 p.m. Sunday, June 3rd, the Whitney Shea Quartet plays on the patio at the Bernardo Winery in Rancho Bernardo from 2 to 5 p.m. No cover and all ages. Dancers welcome. Over at Dizzy's, guitarist Peter Sprague and vocalist Rebecca Jade present Planet Cole Porter, their spin on the music of Cole Porter, which won Best Jazz Record in 2018, with Trip Sprague on tenor saxophone, Gunnar Biggs on bass, and Duncan Moore on drums. Music at 8 p.m., cover is $20. And finally, vocalist Leonard Patton and our very own Sir Edward Kornhauser play their first Sunday engagement at the Turf Supper Club in Golden Hill from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover, 21 and up. You're listening to San Diego Sessions. And we're back on San Diego Sessions from Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. We're coming to you on location today in La Mesa at Danny Green's place. We're literally in the table. <laughs> Undisclosed location. Yes, exactly. 
And if you want to see some pictures or video extras from the show, follow us on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. And as always, uh, subscribe on iTunes. And if, uh, and if you like us, uh, leave a nice review, maybe some stars. And if you don't like us, then uh, just throw a, uh, a burning torch through my window. You know, that always usually hammers home the point. But stay away from the iTunes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with us or be a guest on San Diego Sessions, you can write us a message, sdsessionspodcast at gmail.com. And now it's time for our much-anticipated... Anticim- anticipated. No, you got to leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> our much-anticipated segment. <laughs> I'm just dying with anticipation <laughs> to hear this week's edition of the San Diego 7 with Ed Kornhauser and Danny Green. Yes, this is the San Diego 7. These are seven questions we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. But this is more like the San Diego 14 because you've done this already. I'm ready. Number one, what was the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? I actually made it till 6.50 today. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah, usually I wake up, uh, I guess, around like 6 or 6.30. And... Uh, it's been a while since I've slept in all the way till 6.50. You're going to hate me. Then the next thing was I got to get down and get get my kids' food ready and get them off to school. So your, your momentary uh, reverie was uh, cut short yes. <laughs> by the realities of life. Number two, how old were you when you composed your first piece and what was it? Oh, this is a good one. It was... Um, it was in high school. I forget exactly. Probably I was about 14 or 15. The name of the song was called Chicken in My Cereal Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> it was a ska song. Was it a true story? No, it was not a true story. <laughs> oh, my God. Ew. Oh, God. Or maybe there's a chicken in my cereal so, bowl. It was, it was a live chicken. It was a ska song? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I had a ska phase, too, in high school. Nice. <laughs> Special K, now with chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Number three. Um, and, it's, and it's funny, this has it. And I guess this more refers to jazz than classical. But when you're playing a piano that has a sostenuto pedal, have you ever used it? Yeah, a couple of times I'll, I'll try to mess around with it. Um, and, you know, especially when I'm just, I guess, pl- pl- playing something where the chord stays the same for a while or you, have a, you can use it as a pedal tone. Yeah. Um, but... Not not a ton. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a more modern invention to, or addition to the piano. Yeah. This is the middle pedal on, that you'll see on some grand pianos. Yeah. Um, I haven't really even seen it in too much sheet music, but I, I am working on, you know, Brad Meldow came out with his After Bach um, CD recently, and, and, and uh, I got a copy of the sheet music. And there are some parts in it that do call for that pedal. Oh, wow. I I have not I have checked out the record yet. Um, is it him improvising or what? What is it? No, it's um, you know. So he'll he'll play like a Bach prelude, like um, for instance uh, the one in C sharp um, major, and then he has his own piece that he composed uh, based on it. Oh wow! Yeah, Meldow actually did that uh, last year at the Balboa Theater, doing the Bach and then his own pieces at the on top of him. Yeah. That's right, and yeah. um, I think since he recorded, uh, or, or since that performance, he's, uh, at least on the new recording, there's a couple of new pieces that he didn't play at the Balboa Theater. It's Actually, of... it was at uh, Sherwood Auditorium in La Jolla. It was the last show that ever happened there. 
it's kind of cool to hear somebody do a different thing on with Bach and jazz. I know there was that French pianist. Actually, he might still be alive. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Jacques Lussier. Mm, haven't heard of him. He did a bunch of jazz stuff in the 60s where he would do various... He had a trio and he would play jazz versions of Bach tunes. Oh, Bach nice. pieces as, as jazz tunes. And uh-huh. They were like, you know, make them little swinging tunes or bossa novas. Or, <laughs> Oscar Peterson did a cool thing too, like that on one record. There's another guy named Kalman Ola who I met, who also did these really cool renditions of the Goldberg variations. Oh, I love the Goldberg variations. Yeah, and I mean, he's like improvising, like beautiful counterpoint and... You know, it's, it, it's kind of staying in that older style, but um, but but adding so much like deep jazz vocabulary into it. I think that's very cool. I mean, Bach was an improviser himself, mm-hmm. so it's cool to hear somebody taking his work and 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 you know putting a modern spin on it. Totally. It's not you know, it's just music. I think he dig it. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven. Number four. Would you rather? Travel and live on another planet, but never be able to return to Earth, or travel to the moon and one day return to Earth. I think I would definitely go with traveling to the moon yeah. and you, returning. Yeah, I don't. I'm not quite ready to leave. Leave it all. I feel you. I got a few more years in me. I feel you. I know <laughs> there's a lot of tech people and sci and science people talking about like the first colonists will send to Mars. It'll be a one way trip. Yeah, you know, there's no air up there, so it doesn't really, it's not my thing. <laughs> yeah, plus there's a whole lot of radiation. Yeah, that too. But they're, they're <laughs> talking about sending scientists who are in their like 50s and 60s and going there. And there's people who are volunteering. I mean, it's theoretically volunteering. Say, I would do it mm-hmm. if the technology was around. I would do it, you know, go there and live out the rest of their life doing groundbreaking scientific work. Yeah, but it, you won't come back, and you'll probably die prematurely of radiation poisoning. Yeah, I mean, I I like staying home all day, you know, for a day or two. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it's boring after a while. <laughs> so yeah, go to Mars or the moon. Yeah. The moon would be cool. The moon, moon would be cool. I agree. I'm down with the moon, but so, I guess it gets pretty hot there. Um, you know, there there's only I've, I've learned a short period that you can actually be on it. It's it's like either really cold or really hot. Really? Huh. I did not know that. Yeah. Hmm. That, that kind of kills the vibe. I thought it was just a perpetual, just you know. fun place to hang. Yeah, you can jump around. You <laughs> can try. The NASA left those golf carts up there. You can still tool around the yeah. sea of tranquility. Yeah. I think like dawn on the moon is a good time or, or dusk. But I think it gets up to like in the 200 degrees. And you got to bury yourself in regolith. and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number five. This is this versus that, kind of like the beginning. American big band leader and saxophonist Woody Herman versus Brazilian multi-instrumentalist and composer Hermeto Pascual. Or Pascual, am I saying his name right? That's yeah, Pascual. Yeah, I know, I was slant rhyming it. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I guess I'll... <laughs> um, it's a good one. Uh, I, think, I think I'll go with uh, Hermeto Pascual. He wrote, he wrote some pretty fun, fun stuff, and uh, I just um, play, played uh, some shows in Seattle, and uh, borrowed a keyboard from Jovino Santos Neto, who played in Hermeto's band for many years. Oh wow! And uh, he, he he gave me a CD that he just put out. It was a duo record with him and another pianist, Andre Mamari, and uh, they're, they're, it's it's a uh, most mostly Hermeto's music and a few pieces that they wrote 
um, as dedications to Hermeto. And Hermeto plays tea kettle on that CD. Tea kettle? Yeah, he's literally blowing bubbles in a tea kettle. <laughs> it's I, I, pretty bizarre, pretty cool though. I like to hear that. He is a way of making like some of the more, some really angular melodies, but they sound gorgeous and yeah. like really cool. Yeah. yeah. Very, a very unique original dude. I got to listen to him more. Number six, this versus that. Legendary Canadian hockey player Wayne Gretzky versus iconic personal watercraft, the Kawasaki jet ski. Oh, man. <laughs> Love my jet skiing. It's like a yearly tradition for me on my birthday. I think, so. I, I, think I had heard that at some point. Yeah, yeah did, uh, did you do some research? I did a little, yeah. Like I said, the name of the game on San Diego Sessions is a little bit of research. A little bit of research. Just yeah. a little. Um, I, I don't really know the brands of different jet skis, but... Actually, I learned this when I was Googling this last night. Jet ski is a brand name. It is. A, okay, so that Wave is Runner the, is, is the actual... Uh, the boat or whatever you would call it. I guess a personal watercraft. It's funny. like It's like Kleenex. Yeah. Kleenex is a brand name. Jet ski is actually a Kawasaki brand wow. name, but that's become a generic... Uh, term for any sort of and, and is thing. that the one that like you stand up on or sit or does that matter i think it i think it's changed over the years yeah but like the it's still a brand name technically mm -hmm. which is funny i didn't i didn't know that well either way it's pretty damn fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to go home and subscribe to a jet ski podcast now do yeah, it man. number seven we've all, we're all bacon since you've been on last but it's still free association <laughs> david hasselhoff uh, I haven't really checked him out, so I don't have too much of a comment. <laughs> he's he's weird and popular in Germany and was on Baywatch. It's about all I know. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'll leave it at no comment. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that one. <laughs> okay. That was a San Diego 7 with our very own Ed Kornhauser. So before we take it out with one more, more last live tune on your, on your lovely... Uh, I believe it's a 1940. What year was it? 1948. Uh, Steinway. Yeah. Yeah. Before you take, before we take it out on your, on your, on your killer axe. <laughs> uh, what are some of your upcoming gigs? You've got some tours for this summer, I think. Yeah, lots of tours coming up. Um, we're, we're we're taking off. Uh, Justin, Julian, and I uh, on June 8th. We fly out. We go out to the East Coast. We have um, our first gig at a place called Andy Music in Baltimore. Oh, very cool. And uh, that'll be with Trio Plus Strings. And uh, then we have a house concert in D.C. right after that the next day. Um, and then uh, we head up to New York City. We have another show with a different string trio. And uh, that'll be at Rockwood Music Hall. Then long drive out to Buffalo, long drive the next day back to Connecticut, and then uh, we finish that tour in Boston. Uh, then we fly home a couple days later up from the 22nd to the 24th. We'll be up in the Bay Area, and um, we'll be playing at Red Poppy Art House in San Francisco, uh, the Sound Room in Oakland, and uh, Portola Vineyards. Uh, they, they have a jazz series every summer, and we'll be doing that one with the trio plus strings and then a couple days later we're at the blue whale oh, in los cool. angeles yeah and then back to the east coast again in august is this is this all trio plus strings or um or just the, the just the ones that i mentioned okay gotcha yeah with 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 strings the one the show in august will be in long island and that that'll also be with strings oh very cool are you working with 
string players on the East Coast are bringing yeah, yeah, out yeah. here. I'm not flying any string yeah. players. <laughs> it gets expensive flying people oh, places. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. So if you're in the Bay Area or on the East Coast or in Southern California, please get out and support live music and also pick up a copy of Danny's new record. But you can find out more at Danny's website, dannygreen.net. And find out more about any local performances too. Yeah. And we're going to have one more live tune here. This one's called I'm Just Doing This. And Danny, thank you so much for letting us just do this podcast at your house. Thanks for hosting. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you, guys.
You've been listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artist. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.